Thanks for tuning in to another episode of From Funding to Fame, where we interview the founders and funders currently raising capital on FrontFunder, as well as experts in the private capital markets. I'm your host, Trieste Redding, the head of campaigns at FrontFunder, and I'm excited to introduce more Canadians to equity crowdfunding. This podcast episode features conversations about a business's current operations and future plans and as a result may contain forward-looking information. There can be no assurance that forward-looking information will prove to be accurate as actual results and future events could differ materially from those anticipated in such statements. Listeners should not place undue reliance on forward-looking information. Today we're going to be speaking with the CEO and founder of Quantum Pigeon, Alex Clark. QP touts its platform as the world's first mobile-first platform that allows creators to monetize content, community, or access. The app is messaging-focused, but also allows creators to have channels where they can post a variety of content, including podcasts, images, videos, and more, where they can interact directly with their top followers and build a self-sustaining business. Since being founded in 2017, the Vancouver-based company has started what they call the third generation of social networking. The company was founded by Alex Clark, who has under his belt a $200 million exit after the startup he co-founded, Bitstu Systems, was bought by General Electric in 2016. It was coined one of the largest venture-backed exits in Canadian tech history. The company has had more than 7.5 million invested by over 50 creators, and their number of active users on the platform is growing daily, with some top creators earning $150,000 in monthly subscription revenue. QP aims to have 10 million users by the end of the year and has already signed up 60 creators with a combined follower base of over 5 million people. High visibility creators include global entrepreneur and investor JT Fox, investor venture capitalist and author Richard Moran, and Canadian actress Jewel State. QP sees itself as complementary to existing platforms, enabling creators to monetize their content and followers without the need to sell user privacy. Hi, Alex. Thanks so much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Now, really excited to learn a little bit more about your background and about Quantum Pigeon. So uh, in 2016, you co-founded Bitstu Systems in Vancouver, which sold to General Electric for $200 million, which is amazing. Uh, what's been your journey to entrepreneurship and how do you get started with the idea for Quantum Pigeon? So, yeah, it's... Um... Good question. So my journey probably started back in California, where I'm originally from, um, in, gosh, maybe when I was 20 or something. I I always knew I wanted to go down a certain path of getting myself further along in the software development career. I always loved uh, working with software. And I knew I wanted to have a trajectory, um, and, and that would be, you know, kind of engineer, senior engineer, chief technology officer, and then found my own company at some point. And that was the path I did. And I, um, so I ended up starting Bits2 Systems um, a while back, and then that had a nice exit. And what they don't tell you is at the end of all that, uh, once you have that trajectory in your mind for like, you know, all those years, and then it finally all happens, you have a, a moment of, uh-oh, now what, right? I'm now, I now have to figure out what I want to do with my life because having those those things can be a bit of a distraction right you don't have to ask yourself yeah. those big tough questions like what matters to me um and so I spent about two years after it sold um and you know people came to me and say oh I've got this idea for business do you want to join with me and um uh, you know that kind of stuff but if it wasn't something that I would use every day and be passionate about I kind of had to politely decline because I know for me I wouldn't do a good job if I 
sat and brainstormed and said, I just need to start a new company. What's it going to be? It has to be organic, like, like Bitstu was. Um, it was born out of a need. And that's really where QP came from. It was this recognition of a big problem in the industry and this real disconnect between, you know, creators and social media and monetization. And it all just didn't make sense to me. Uh, and so that's really where it came from. That's great. I uh, appreciate the story there. It sounds like you've had a pretty incredible journey as an entrepreneurship uh, entrepreneur thus far. So it's uh, great to hear a bit more about that background there. Now, uh, I believe in terms of the, the materials that we have on the, the campaign page, talked about how uh, content creators have already flocked from platforms like Facebook to alternative apps um, where creators should have the power to innovate, use new tools, and get paid for their talents. So how does QP allow a creator to do this and what provides the company with an edge over its competitors? Yeah, so, you know, looking at the social media landscape, you can see that things are shifting um, and that's independent of us, right? Things are shifting to, uh, you know, back in the old days of when, when Facebook was new and people were taking pictures of, you know, their daily lives and sharing with friends and family, you know, Facebook didn't really know what to do. How do you, how do you support that as a business? Well, we'll throw ads in there, right? And what happened was when, as social media evolved and we got things like Vine and Instagram and things propped people up, right? It was no longer me connecting with my inner social circle, my friends and family. I was now connecting to random strangers that are doing really cool things that I want to be a part of. And so that gave you know, influencers and creators this rise up uh, and they became the draw, not the platform. And they started realizing, hey, wait a minute, if I'm doing all the work, posting all the content, building all the followers, taking all the risk, why is the platform making all the money through ads, which is actually ruining my experience with my audience, right? And this, this evolution happened with society, how it uses social media, but social media didn't evolve itself. And they kept doing this whole like, well, we've got ads and we're going to make this algorithm mess with your posts. And now there's a big problem, right? So the content creators that do all the work, one to 3% of their audience sees their, their posts because of the algorithms. And it was this really weird kind of model that, now you see people are shifting to you. People are going like, hey, I can just go to a different platform and my audience will come with me. So this is great. Well, some tools have popped up and they've done a good job and they've been early tools like you know Patreon and uh, to a lesser extent uh, of, of purpose only fans, right? Same concept, different content, of course, but um, they, they found this way that people wanted this different connection with the people that they, they wanted, the creators that they were most interested in. They all did it a certain way. Um, but nobody's really done it kind of this mobile first natural way that people use social media today. And that's what our differentiator is. So if we look at things realistically, you know, meta platforms, Facebook and Instagram and all that, they're really the world's largest advertising platforms that happen to have social media features. Uh, and we took it a different way and said, well, what if we support creators and allow them to connect their audiences and we become a monetization platform with social media features? And that has a, like a subtle difference, but a big impact down the road, which is the whole business model shifts, right? You're now supporting creators and building their communities and their audiences, their fans versus supporting advertisers. And oops, we better make some creators happy, but really our customer is the advertiser that we have to make happy because they pay the bills. Well, no, the more successful creators are on our platform, the more successful we are. So it's a natural evolution that really fits well. And so our advantage really is this mobile first way of doing it where other platforms, you know, like the Patreons and Kajabis, they're great. They do things really, really well, but they're different. They 
are like, I have to open up my laptop. I have to upload stuff. I don't have this really great mobile experience. Whereas if I'm a creator or a celebrity or I'm doing something really cool, um, you know, on set in between takes, I can just pull out my phone and do a quick little shout out to all of my subscribers or all the people following me. And conversely, on the other side, if I'm a fan and I'm just kind of standing in line somewhere and I want to kill a little bit of time, I can just now open up the app and support and connect with my favorite creator. So it's about building that personalized, authentic and somewhat intimate connection with creators and fans in a mobile friendly way that people just use today. So it fits naturally. And nobody's really done that yet. So that's where we fit. That's fantastic. Well, I know you you highlighted a couple of key points there, uh, in particular, the dissatisfaction that comes with that advertising first model that a lot of the, the giants in the industry have, and really the, the lack of ability to facilitate stronger connections between creators and fans. So I know that's something that QP is really prioritizing, that interaction between those two parties. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you're able to bring those two groups together through the, the QP platform? Yeah, so um, unlike other some other uh, creator monetization platforms, we did take a big focus on discoverability um, so that people can come on and discover new creators and creators can engage with fans. And the other thing that we have really that is, you know, a, a product of what we want to keep, like sites, like traditional social media are great. They've got lots of people on there. There's lots of free content. And that's a great way for creators to build up their brands and build up their audiences. But when they want to have engagement that's more personal and is more uh, directed and find out who their true fans are, that's hard to do on those platforms because there's just so much going on. There's so much free content and ads and it's really this, this kind of uh, a lot of noise and it's really hard to find the value through it. So if you've got like, you know, I don't know, you could say you've got 50,000 followers, which is a good number of followers, how many of those are really actually paying attention? And those are the ones you want to find out who are paying attention because you want to provide more value and also have a better connection, right? So that's really where QP comes in because it is a lot less noise on our side. It really is that connected, dedicated following. And the other socials will always have their place and they do what they do really, really well. But people come over to QP to follow the, to get to their creators for a different type of connection. Like instead of DMing somebody and it just gets lost in a sea of other DMs that they have, they'll actually see it on QP. It's like, oh, wow, you're going to actually connect with me. And the posts will always be seen and that interaction. So it's all about building tighter communities on QP versus the, the, the blasting over there. That's fantastic. And I think some of the value propositions that uh, you mentioned within the, the campaign page is really being able to expand their virtual circle, build those online relationships and take control of their network in terms of the creator platform. So now that you've had users on the platform, you've been able to see how they interact, what features they like and, and don't like, how does that perhaps help shape now the, the product roadmap for, for QP moving forward as well? Yeah, that's that's actually one of the most fun things is really seeing how people use it in ways that you know we didn't anticipate. And there's a couple of things I love actually. It's really exciting to see new people joining all the time. So when I kind of search for random stuff, you know, back in the beginning, it was fun. Like you search like somebody joined. Oh my god, support them! Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have someone. And now it's just every day there's new new stuff, and it, it's um, it gets too much to keep up on for me because I, every time somebody jumped on, I wanted to support it. Now it's just like every day there's more and more, which is yeah. fun. But it's also really cool to see what they do and how they use it. So we really, um, in the beginning, we focused a lot on the secure end-to-end -end messenger. The idea was that you know if I am a creator and I've got an audience that I want to 
I have value to. So real simple example to understand is, you know, maybe I'm in uh, business coaching or I'm in fitness or those kinds of things. Um, and we'll, we'll say, we'll say fitness for now, because that's super easy to understand. And I do some really cool posts. You know, we understood on some level that people would pay a subscription for some, some posts, some dedicated workout videos, maybe 20 bucks a month, that kind of thing. But then we focus a lot on the secure messenger side where it's like, okay, if you want to see my post, cool, 20 bucks a month, fine. But if you want to actually message with me and get direct access to me and ask me questions and I'll give you targeted advice and workout videos and diets and all that other stuff, maybe that was 500 bucks a month. And it's like, well, yeah, I would pay 500 bucks a month for a trainer who's really good at what they do. So sure, that's kind of a normal price people pay. So we focused a lot on that in the beginning. Um, and the cool thing about the messenger is no phone number is ever attached or anything like that no static identifier either. So it's like, you don't have to worry about being somewhat well-known and maybe somebody harasses or stays on a little bit longer. You message, yeah. you have a good time. And then if it doesn't work out, you just cancel the connection, right? We've since then shifted to more of the monetization features based on how people do it. So with the roadmap coming, there's you know the ability to pay for a single post versus a subscription. So somebody might say, I love what their content, but I don't want to have another subscription, but hey, I'll pay five bucks to see this one post or support them, right? Um, and then also we're finding a lot of the ways creators want to interact with their audiences is by answering questions. So we're releasing a feature coming up and that's part of what this um, funding will help support for um, being able to do AMAs or ask me anything, right? So it's like, hey, I'm, I'm a creator or I've done something cool. Um, and it doesn't have to be anybody famous. It could be somebody like, hey, I was at uh, you know this company, Silicon Valley Bank, when the big thing happened, ask me anything, or I was over here. And so they can then uh, be asked any type of question, give a response if they want, and get paid for that response optionally. So it's like, hey, I'm, a, I'm an actor, and I, I had my big break, ask me anything. Well, what did it feel like? And I can answer that question. So it kind of starts blending this cameo concept with being able to interact with creators and support them as well. Or, you know, a musician and you want to send me your demo tracks and that kind of stuff. So that's really what we've, we've learned how people use it and want to engage. Um, so it allows creators to have a really easy way to create content. People know how to answer questions. I mean, you ask me questions and I can blab on and on forever. Uh, and so other people have the same thing and then they also get supported for their work and the value they provide. So it's been a really, really cool thing to learn. That's great. I know you, you talked a little bit in there about the, the monetization, monetization strategies within the platform. And we, we chatted previously about how kind of the existing older social media platforms really had an ad first model for revenue generation. And that kind of took away a lot of the features that maybe people had originally come to the platforms for in the first place. So for uh, investors listening today, I'd love to, to hear a bit more about um, the business model for QP. And I know that's going to be something that sets you apart from some other platforms as well. So we'd be really interested to learn a bit more about just how you make money. Yeah. So we do a, a 90, 10 split, um, for now. Uh, and that 90, 10 split, you know, obviously 90% goes to them, 10% to us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so the more the creators make money, uh, the more we are successful, but then we also, uh, have uh, in the works a premium offering of QP for creators who are making a living on the app. And that would be $100 a month. And that might give them a better rate on what they bring home. So it ends up paying for itself for the bigger creators, but then gives them more features and tools to be able to manage their, basically their business uh, or their site also, whatever they want to do with QP. And so that then gives us a nice, um, that starts to even out the revenue stream for us as creators kind of make money and don't, some are seasonal, some are not. That gives us that nice steady uh, revenue as well that brings it together. 
That's great. I think I, I like the model too of the the 90-10. I think that really emphasizes the fact that you share in their success and you're really here to support the, the creators and the revenue model uh, certainly indicates that as well. So I think that's really, really nice to see. So appreciate you sharing some more details there. And I know you you touched on the fact that, uh, you know, you're getting so many users now uh, on a daily basis. The platform's really growing a lot. So um, what are the marketing and sales efforts that are really driving that growth for the company? Right now, it's really just been word of mouth. So we haven't done yeah. big marketing push, um, which I think, you know, the few times we've kind of dabbled with it, we've seen a huge spike, as you would expect, right? Hey, marketing yeah. works, go figure. Um, so we've, we've uh, been successful at raising uh, a good amount of money in the past that has really driven product developments. So we knew this was going to be a consumer app. We were dealing with transactions and money and potentially a lot of money. So it had to work. You couldn't just be like, oh, sorry, you didn't get paid. And so there was a lot um, that went into making the experience really good for the creators and their uh, fans to um, be something that they actually wanted to use instead of this clunky experience that their fans are like, why are we here? This doesn't make sense, right? So that had to be beautiful and, and really good. Uh, the, the payouts had to work, the tax jurisdiction, all that kind of complexity that's under the hood um, had to work seamlessly to take it all the effort away from the creators so they could focus on doing what they do best. Now that we've done that, this next raise really is saying, okay, we've we've built the product, we've got feedback, we've you know cleaned up the things we need to clean up, we've got that product market fit, we've seen that we can create success. Now let's just supercharge that and let's take what we've done and just replicate it by um, getting some funding and building out a few additional features, sure, but really yeah. the marketing push to um, just get the word out there. Because when people hear about it, they're like, how did I not know this existed? Yeah, I'm totally in. That's the trick, right? That's amazing. Well, I think the the best strategy is always just building a, a product or service that your customers absolutely love. And uh, it sounds like you guys have taken that approach in ensuring that uh, you know what you are building is what your customers want to see. You've got that product market fit. So uh, great to hear more about uh, the the strategies there. Now, in in previous talks uh, and on the campaign page as well, um, you've mentioned that QP has a vertical focus towards authors, musicians, and business experts. Um, so perhaps you could tell us a little bit about why QP wanted to start focusing on those verticals first and maybe what some plans of additional verticals are after that. Yeah, so um, we we allow people to post you know, the expected type of content, video, pictures, text, all that kind of stuff you'd, you'd uh, expect. Um, but we found there was a lot of pain in those three areas where they kept coming back for kind of for more. So the uh, AMAs were strongly influenced by authors, for example, who say, well, I, I release a book, I do some podcasts, but people maybe have questions about what I just wrote and I have no way to really engage after that. There's not a great way to do it. And so you could see that that feature set kind of came out to support them. And with musicians, um, it, you know, it's kind of like, well, what value do I provide from the $0 model all the way to the Taylor Swift? You know, it's now $2,000 for the, the highest tickets, you know, uh, seats in the stadium. Where do I give my fans value at maybe the $50 level or the $20 level yeah. where they're getting something valuable and we're being supported? And so then that was, you know, us putting in features like audio only posts for people to put songs in. Um, and so we, we focused on that vertical as well. So it was really the three that you mentioned was kind of one of the most um, vocal to us of saying, hey, we need something, we're not being supported.
However, that, makes that being sense. said, yeah, however, that being said, we support all the posts that typically people yeah. would, and we will expand on as, as time goes on. So it's not limited to those, but those have just been a little bit needing more love. <laughs> makes total sense. Now, coming back to you a little bit as a, a business leader, this is your uh, second big company that you're working with here. What have you learned from your past experiences that have really helped you in the building stages of QP? Yeah, so what's really been beneficial is the connections I've had from the exit. That's been really great is to have a community that then supports you in building your next business, which you, you know, I didn't have on building the first one. Um, so that yeah. makes things tremendously helpful, but also really how to structure and build a company and have a team that knows how to execute, right? Because as markets go up and down, as we've certainly seen, and, you know, we've, we've seen the big market highs of 2021 and the lows of, of afterwards, uh, you know, being able to run a company efficiently and effectively in both of those times to weather the storms, because down markets are great for people that can survive them. Um, because, you know, for one, it's great for investors. Like this is a great time for people to be jumping on QP or any type of investment for, you know, not even just us because valuations have come down. So you're getting more yeah. for your, more value for your dollar. Um, but also it's great for any business that can make it through because in the high times, everybody comes out of the woodwork with an idea and they all get funding and they, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it wasn't. Those tend to then kind of. Uh, consolidate, let's just say, it's a yeah. nice way to put it. And the noise goes away. And then the true companies that can make it will, will be around and they'll be on the next upturn will be in the prime position to just accelerate like crazy while everybody else is trying to restart. It's a great way to look at it. And it's something that uh, is so important for companies to prepare for. I know if we look historically, even at kind of the, the 2008 financial crash, there were some amazing startups to come out of that that are still huge, well-known businesses that we all uh, use and interact with today. And that really, uh, it forces companies to get adaptable and agile and focus on really what their key value drivers are to make it through. And Oftentimes you can see a, a lot of success follow that, which is nice, but certainly as a, a company, you need to be prepared. And uh, it's great that you've got that uh, background with your previous company, those connections and can definitely uh, help prepare for uh, all of those events. And to your point, I think uh, a lot of larger investors are a little hesitant to invest right now, but at the same time, valuations are down. So it actually is a good opportunity to, to be looking at this and to, uh, you know, be making those investments right now. Yeah, it's 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 been interesting for me to watch because I've been on both sides, right? So I've been a company looking for funding and I've also been a partner in, in venture firms post-exit, right? And uh, markets and investors are largely emotionally driven, right? I mean, it's like, I don't feel comfortable, so I'm going to sit and wait till the markets are going up again until I invest. Well, it's, wait a minute, but that, don't you want to, you know, buy low, sell high, yeah. not the other way around? So if, if you can really kind of logically look at things and say, look, I'm sitting on money that I plan to yeah. invest, uh, the markets, everything's on sale right now mm -hmm. and at huge discounts, uh, this is my time, right? And it, it yeah. can be emotionally uncomfortable for some people because you think, well, is it going to keep going down forever? Well, no, we've seen that it's, it's bottoming out. Maybe it drops a little more, maybe not, but you know, the yeah. world economy is not going to collapse. You'll be all right. So of course, never invest more than you're comfortable uh, investing. Absolutely. But, um, this is the really the best time uh, for people to invest. Um, and so it's it's on any opportunity. So I, I highly recommend it now because it's where all the money is going to be made. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing your insights from both ends of the table there. I think that's very valuable for, for all of our listeners. So thank you for that. Now, a question that I always love to, to ask different founders is really just since you founded the company, what's been one of your favorite moments so far? You know, I think uh, one of the things I'm most proud of, and there's a few moments I, I do pause and do this. And I say, if I did nothing else as a founder, this is what I'm really proud of is I built a great team. And so I just put together a lot of really talented people. Um, so maybe that is one thing I, I do is I, I can believe in people well, I can see their strengths and I can put them in and just, then I can get out of their way. <laughs> get me out of their way. Uh, I, you know, get me doing other stuff that, that, you know, doesn't, doesn't bother them. And there's times I just watch the team gelling, doing a great job, creating such wonderful ideas, working so hard, so passionate about what they're doing. And I think, wow, you know, that's, that they're here to support this idea. And those are those moments that I kind of step back and go, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have built such a good team. And so that I love. That's amazing. I think uh, the team is so critical. And, and certainly when you're in early stages of a company, everyone's wearing so many hats and, and playing such a key role. And you really do need everyone to have that same passion and entrepreneurial drive and share that vision that you have for the company as well. So with that in mind, and, and knowing that you've built such a great team, what would you say is your, your leadership style for really uh, connecting that team and bringing the vision to life? Um, my leadership style is very much uh, hands-off. Uh, I, I think Let the really experts is, do what you hired them for? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you, you know, I, in earlier days of my life, I was definitely a control freak, and maybe in some other ways I still am. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I had a... Um, uh, a small anecdote, I had a, I have a friend who was a uh, captain, a, a, a submarine commander, right? So he's retired submarine commander. And, you know, the, the military is all about leadership and redundancy and all that great stuff. And he said some anecdotal stories about his, about what he, you know, his career that made me think, wow, this is what it really means to be a great leader, which is he would spend energy up front when he took uh, command of the ship and make sure everything was put in place to where he was not needed. And then he worked really hard and did a lot of intelligent decisions to where he could be sitting in the chair kind of like dozing off and his XO would come over and nudge him and go, Captain, you're snoring again, right? And that's, that's you know, you, you tell that story and smile, but that to me is true leadership where yeah. everybody knows what they're doing and they're empowered. It's leadership is not, I have to micromanage everything. I have to be the big guy in charge. I have to take all the credit. You know, it's like, no, I just let everyone else be amazing and I'm good. Right. It's a great philosophy, and uh, I love the anecdote there. I think that's fantastic. Now, as someone who's been an entrepreneur for two decades now, um, how have you adapted to the fast-paced entrepreneurial lifestyle? I don't know how to do anything else. So, <laughs> <laughs> I have always done startups, um, even when I was growing up in my career. Um, I've always been drawn to startups to work in, and. I just like a lot of different things being thrown at me. I seem to thrive in it really well. Uh, and I just love the challenge. It's what gets me excited to wake up in the mornings and, and really challenge myself and yeah, and see what the world has to throw at me. That's amazing. Well, we know how busy entrepreneurship is. Is there anything that you like to do in those moments when you're not working? Oh, um, <laughs> I do try my best to connect with uh, friends and family as much as I can. Uh, that's, I think, very important to me because I, I have in the past 
kind of let those things slip when it's just too much focus and two heads down. And I probably still do sometimes. Um, and just really try to take in the moments. Uh, you know, I, I have my hobbies. Sure, those are really fun. Um, but really, it's just the small things, the small moments where you can catch your breath and just kind of appreciate appreciate the present. Absolutely. Well, uh, coming back into more of the capital raise. So this isn't the first time you've raised capital for QP. In the past, you've been able to raise over $7.5 in seed funding from various investors that's enabled you and the, the company to come this far. And I know you mentioned some of the, the great features and that you've built over that time and uh, the fact that you now have product market fit. So what have been some of those takeaways that you've gained from raising capital in the past? And why for this round did you decide to choose equity crowdfunding? Yeah, so in the past, the, the past raises have been interesting because the bulk of everything we've raised by far, like 95% or more of it, has been through users of the app or creators or just regular people. So, you know, it'd be, I'd have a conversation with uh, some creators or people in business and they'd be like, oh my God, this is amazing. I, I want to put money in. That was a huge validation for me about what we're doing. Cause people could be like, oh yeah, I love your project. I love the app. Sounds really great. Oh, you want to be part of it? Nah, I'm sorry, I'm busy. Okay, you didn't love it, right? Yeah. That's easy. But if you say you love it and you're putting your, you know, your hard-earned funds into it, that tells me there's really something here that we're on. But we never did an, uh, an official, like a, an official crowdfunding style raise. Um, I guess maybe because at that time we were just really focused on building the product and getting the concept out and really raising that capital was a lot of me talking to people and showing prototypes and showing early things that we were building. Now that we have the product out and people can try it, it seems to lend itself very well to crowdfunding, which is like, hey, here's what we're trying to do. We know a lot of people are dissatisfied with social media as it is today. And we know a lot of people want to support their favorite creators. We know this is a big topic. So if it really is important to you and is a big topic, hey, why not support us in what we're doing? Because you can be part of it and um, help shape exactly where we're going and say, hey, I, I, I did that and it matters. And it had a big impact on, on society and everything. And so it seems to be a really natural fit for getting everybody involved because they can download it, try it, play with it, see how it works, see who's on it, um, yeah. get their favorite creator on it. Or if they are a creator, get on it and start monetizing and say, hey, yeah, yeah this is something that I want to be part of. That's great. It's uh, yeah, it really sounds like the the model of equity crowdfunding just naturally lends itself so well to what you're doing. And your your previous round was already bringing your creators on board as co-owners, which is fantastic. And I think that's uh, really just such an important way for for businesses to deepen their relationships with those in their network. And uh, not only that, it can have the benefit of uh, increasing revenues as well. Um, so you know, while a raise is ongoing, your customers can become investors. Investors can become customers. Um, so it's uh, always great to see when companies have that mindset. And really, uh, yeah, I think with you in particular and with you know how your revenue model is already split, I think it's just uh, natural to then invite uh, the creators and users of the platform on board as co-owners as well. So really appreciate uh, you telling us kind of how you came to this point with the round. And I know you highlighted earlier as well, some of the, the product features that you're hoping to release with the use of funds for this raise as well. Um, so perhaps you can just tell us a little bit more about what the overall use of funds for this round are, and uh, maybe a bit more as well about what kind of the, the big vision for QP is. Yes. So use of funds, um, we spent the previous raise largely on building the products. Uh, and very normal for our technology startup, you've got like an 80-20 split, right? 80% 80 
product development, 20%, everything else. <laughs> Switches on the launch, right? So then it becomes 80% marketing uh, and letting everybody know the product exists, 20% products and everything else. That's where we're going to go, right? So we really want to take what we've done and just rubber stamp, replicate, 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 because we've seen when we spend a little bit on marketing, we get like a 40% uptake in the app growth in one month. Well, that's pretty good. And then when we don't, we get like the 10 to 5% growth, which is still really good word of mouth. But, um, you know, when we really let people know it exists and we get the word out, we get a lot of people jumping on and our usage is very sticky and our users come back a lot. We don't get a lot of drop off, which is very nice. Um, yeah. So I'm very happy about that. And the big picture vision for QP, the world domination vision uh, is to really have this social platform the way social media was meant to be, right? So social media should have been all about the people creating content. It should have been about supporting those that provide the most value. It couldn't have started that way. I get it. I get all the reasons yeah. it came to be the way it is. But now this model of let's promote selling user data and taking the hard work everybody else does and making money for ourselves, but not really paying them. It's just this, it's not what it should have been. Social media should have been a great place for everyone to express their creativity, do amazing things. And that has always been my philosophy. And it was my philosophy at Bitstu too, just build something great and get out of everybody's way and let them do stuff that will amaze you. And that's really the big, big vision. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I think um, very uh, admirable objective. And to your point, I think that's where everyone wants social media to, to head as well and uh, be in that position. Now, we had surveyed a couple uh, investors ahead of this episode as well. We had a few questions come through. Um, so one of those questions is really um, the investor wants to know if you can discuss a bit more how QP will break through the, the ceiling that separates medium-sized social platforms versus large uh, social platforms? Yeah, so the way you do that, right? So it's it's basically a network application. So the more people you have, the more people you get, right? So the more creators you have, the more followers come on and all that sort of stuff. Really the way you do that is you start very, very small. You focus on individual creator, make them successful, the next individual creator, make them successful. Then what happens is those pockets start to get hurry about you and it starts to then get this, oh, you're solving a pain point that the other platforms are not solving cannot solve because of their business model. Um, and so then you start to get a shift, right? So you start to get momentum and people say, hey, wait a minute. This is, yeah, this was how it was supposed to be. I'm not happy with this other model. You've got the early adopters that will come on and they'll be excited. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. The masses, the majorities don't tend to come over until there's more comforts, right? Oh, now I've yeah. heard about this platform, I'll jump on. So you focus on the individuals, you make those, those mini micro networks very, very happy and self-sustaining. Then you go to the next. Once those pockets come about, then they start to coalesce and things tip over, right? Then word of mouth comes, hey, I'm on QP. Oh, shoot, I've heard of that. I want to be on there too. Um, oh, you're, you know, you're, doing a, you're doing a side hustle. You're making a couple hundred bucks on QP. Great. Oh, you're actually making, you know, our top creator uh, at launch made $100,000 the first month and $150,000 the second wow. month. That was much more than I anticipated, right? That was like, well, okay, I thought you'd maybe pull it $5,000 or 10. <laughs> um, so yeah, some are going to make a ton of money and that's going to be their, their whole thing. And some are going to, I do it as a hobby on the side and I make a little bit of cash here or there, or maybe some are going to do it all for free and they just want to actually engage the people that care about them and have communities, right? So that's really how you get the tipping point over is you start small. Don't try to like, I'm going to take over all of North America and then I'm moving to India and I'm taking over the world. Well, no, that's... Yeah. 
start small, you're going to get there, right? It's going to happen. And that's the way all the big players started, by the way. If you look at like, well, we're on a Zoom call. How did Zoom take over from everyone else? How did Tinder take over from Mash.com and OkCupid? How did Instagram take over from Flickr and Photobook? All the same. Start small, and then you eventually reach a tipping point, and we'll do the same. The, the next question that we had come through, kind of uh, similar in vain, um, it's about how the company plans on competing with uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, those other large platforms. And I think uh, TikTok's a great example of, you know, a recent platform that came out of the woodworks and now is one of the, the big ones that we all know and recognize. So uh, yeah, perhaps you could tell us a bit more about that. That is such a good question. I love that that one was asked because um, we don't have to compete with them. I think those platforms exist for a great reason and they should exist. If somebody's starting out and wants to build a following, there's a ton of eyeballs on there. Now, it's going to be tough for them because there's a ton of people and a ton of content. So how do you get discovered on there? It's really kind of difficult. But you have the massive audience on there, right? You have the potential to build up your following. So that's a great start. And we're kind of that destination, right? So start there, build up your audience, and then come over to us. So I don't want to... Well, I mean, eventually maybe take over the world. But now, <laughs> um, at this stage, I love that those platforms exist. I want them to keep building people up. I want people getting discovered. You know, somebody posts on TikTok, gets the viral video. Now what do you do? Oh, where do I go? Do I go to Instagram and just kind of get lost? Or do I go over to QP where I can bring yeah. my people over, tell them how I did it, give, you know, start to engage more? That's, that's what I want. So we don't have to compete with them directly. Love that response. I think that's a fantastic outlook. Now, as we, we look to wrap things up today, I always like to just ask a couple final uh, questions for entrepreneurs who might be listening, investors who might be listening. So with uh, the incredible background and experience that you have, you know, building and exiting one company now with, with what you're doing with QP here, um, for any of those founders and future entrepreneurs who might be listening, what's one piece of advice you'd like to share with them? Um, I remember a, a good piece of advice I got from a potential investor who actually declined on BitStu. He didn't invest, but he said, I, I like what you're doing. He was a big, successful guy out of Silicon Valley. said at BitStu, I like what you're doing. Uh, I think you'll be successful. It's going to be longer than you think, and it's going to be harder than you think. And I remember that. And sure enough, it was longer than I thought and it was harder than I thought. Yeah. And um, having your own company and your own venture is one of the most rewarding things ever and it's also one of the most challenging things ever because you are so into it and so passionate about it and so many things come up but that is the best time for not only personal growth you have to really check in with yourself I know I have many times um, and so you know you grow so much personally and the rewards of what you build um, you know not just financial but just uh, the emotional rewards as well are so worth it but the reason that advice, that advice stuck with me and was important was don't get discouraged when things get tough. They get tough for everyone. Yeah. It's just natural. So keep that, keep going, keep pushing, believe in yourself and, you know, listen to others, uh, keep an open mind. It's both companies I've had, we've, we've pivoted and meandered, you know, the original idea is not where you're ending up. It's not fully different, but you know, yeah. you gotta listen, but understand that it's going to get challenging when it does, don't give up. Yeah. Absolutely. I think very, uh, very wise words. Certainly it's uh, 
always going to take longer. It's going to be more difficult than expected. And I think those uh, words are are true now more than ever with where we're at in the market right now. Um, I know we've uh, had some chats with some previous uh, guests as well, working in venture who have just mentioned, you know, hey, what you were planning to do to raise capital, it's even going to take twice as long as it did before. So yeah. really prepare yourself for that journey and, uh, you know, make sure that you've got the, the persistence and determination to push through, which is great. Now, one thing that we also find, and I'm sure one thing that you've experienced since the start with, uh, you know, bringing your creators on as co-owners is that investors can really support companies in, in so many more ways than just capital, word of mouth, brand awareness, things like that. So for anyone uh, listening today, how can they help uh, QP succeed into the future? Uh, there's a couple ways. Uh, one, of course, is try out the app, build a community tell people about it, that's the best way, right? Let people know it's there. Uh, and another great way is just reach out to us. So you can find me on QP, you can connect with me and you can send me messages about what you like, what you don't like, and we can make it better, right? So it's still, we're still at that great stage where we're not like Facebook size, where we're, you're just gonna go into the void and we're never gonna hear your questions and requests and make it your own. This one you can actually make your own. So spread the word and also drop me a, drop me a message. Last question for today. So for those considering an investment in QP, what would you like to share with them? Um, I think this is a great market and a great time. I think there's a lot of ship that's going to happen. We can already see it in this landscape. Uh, so um, it's a great time to get in early on a market that's very favorable to valuations. <laughs> so everything's on sale, including us. Uh, <laughs> that's just the way the markets work. And uh, it's a great chance to be part of something that can really have a big, big impact for a lot of people um, and change the way we think about social media. That's fantastic. Well, I think for uh, anyone who is considering an investment in QP, you can learn more about their raise at frontfunder.com forward slash quantum pigeon. As well as that, uh, there are some great perks available as part of the campaign, which is great. So not only can you become a co-owner, but you can get some great uh QP swag along the uh, along the journey as well, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, the investment minimum is starting at $250. So very accessible for everyone. Um, so definitely encourage you all to check out the campaign page. And uh, Alex, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure learning more about your entrepreneurial journey, um, you know, the, the journey to QP so far and uh, what the ultimate vision is for the company. Well, thank you. I appreciate everything. For anyone new to the podcast, FrontFunder is Canada's leading equity crowdfunding platform, enabling all Canadians to invest in the most exciting startups and growth stage companies, something that was previously only available to the 1%. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can have your questions answered in an upcoming episode. This podcast episode is for informational purposes only and should not constitute financial advice. Investors should conduct their own due diligence on any investment they may be considering on FrontFunder. For details of any offering listed on FrontFunder, refer to the offering document on their campaign page at www.frontfunder.com.